0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. So it's 1985. Do you remember where you were in 1985? I'll probably have to think about it for a minute. I uh, was in Woodland, California, which is uh, just uh, west of Sacramento. I was serving a Disciples of Christ Church, which is sort of a sister denomination to the United Church of Christ, Woodland Christian Church. And I kind of missed the UCC. I'd been there for about six years, and uh, my uh, former wife and I, Kathy, had our three little kids, all grammar school and, and younger, and my son was in preschool. And so as we do in the UCC, we are free to go wherever we can find a call or a job. And we have this list called the opportunities list. And so we got out the opportunities list. My kids told me later that they always shuddered whenever they saw that list because they knew they were gonna be moving pretty soon. So uh, on that list was a church in Hawaii, Kahalaikiola Congregational Church. And so I thought, well, I'll send my, what we call a profile, which is like a resume. I'll send my profile to, to this church in Hawaii. And I sent it to some other places, too. And I got a response from this church in Hawaii, from the search committee, that said, uh, let's, can we talk to you? And so we did the telephone interview. And that went well, and so they said, why don't you come and... Uh, come to Hawaii, and we'll have a face-to-face interview. So I show up uh, in the only suit I had, which was a three-piece suit. Now, a three-piece suit in Hawaii just doesn't really go over very well, but that's how foreign and how little I knew about Hawaii and where I was going. And this was rural Hawaii, by the way. They said, we well, i not talking Honolulu. We're talking... 3,000 people who you never know were there because they lived off in the the trees in the jungle somewhere. So we interviewed and sure enough, everything went well and we were asked to come and be the pastor of this church. So we packed all the the kids in the the airplane and I think we took grandma with us too uh, when we first went over there. And by the way, whenever you move to Hawaii, all of your belongings go in crates, and then they go aboard ship. Uh, And so everything we owned, our family of of five, went in these two big crates. One of the first things I uh, experienced there was um, meeting a woman named Libby Pa'alua. Now, Libby, Elizabeth was her name, they called her Libby, was the only pure Hawaiian member of the church. Everyone else was part Portuguese, or part Japanese, or part Chinese, or, but Libby was, was pure Polynesian Hawaiian. And she was about six feet tall, weighed about 250, and had a little squeaky little voice, and she played the ukulele. Well, Libby was also the bus driver and uh, for the school. The bus driver for the bus for the school. That's how small we were. We were. And so we, uh, uh, after probably be two or three weeks, I got a call about that I needed to officiate a funeral in Hilo when Hilo was about two hours away. If you know the big island of Hawaii, um, we were at the top, and Hilo was over on the east side, and is on the west side. So we had to go, go and... I had to go in and do this funeral service in Hilo. So Libby came, it was pitch dark because we had to leave early. Pitch dark, Libby came in the school bus, blocked the road like she always did when she dropped the kids off. She just blocked the whole road with the school bus so nobody could, you know, speed by. And uh, so I climbed aboard the bus. Pitch dark, I was the only Caucasian on the bus. And so we took off for Hilo. And um, so we're bouncing along on this bus, and I'm in there, and my, my mother-in-law, who later came to live with us over there, said that whenever she went out to any social event, she felt like a stalk of celery and a bowl of chili because everyone was of color, right? So I'm, I'm the only, I'm the stock of celery in this school bus and we're bouncing along. And the only thing I could think of at the time was, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I think if we ask ourselves, all of you, ask yourselves if you've ever had one of those experiences where you say to yourself, how did I get here? You'll know what that means. I had a lot of those how-did-I-get-here experiences when I was in Hawaii. Remember, 3,000 miles of ocean all the way around, sitting on this rock that wasn't even stable because there was a little volcano under it called Kilauea. Now, I'm sure you're wondering why I chose this lesson. I wonder if Adam and Eve, when they were standing there in their nakedness, wondered the same thing. How did we get here? How did we get here? I used to think that everywhere I went in my ministry of over 40 years, I served local churches in four different states, Hawaii being one of them. I always used to think that somehow God had called me to be in all these places as though it was sort of pre-planned that this is where I was going to end up. Well, today I'm going to challenge a belief that many Christians have and even denominations have this the same idea in their, in their documents, in their official creeds that God has somehow a plan for our lives before we're ever born. There's a plan for our lives before we're ever born and then everything that happens to us has been preordained in God's mind. There's, there's sort of this general term that's used, theological term that's used, called predestination, which is, this applies sort of to that idea of predestination. We can thank St. Saint Saint Augustine for this concept because it applies especially to who's going to gain salvation and who isn't, as if it's predestined whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. It is comforting to rest in the belief that everything is planned out for our lives and as long as things go well. But when, what happens when they go badly? Did God plan those things that went badly in our lives also? If so, why? And if not, then how did, how did we come to be in those places where we might say something like, how did I get here? There isn't a one of us in this room or online or anywhere that hasn't made a few bad decisions and bad choices. So were those choices pre-planned for us? I would submit that because our lives are full of choices And decisions thats sort of a thing we call free will, that we will make some good ones and we're gonna make some that aren't so good. Doesn't mean that we can't learn from all of our experiences, whether uh, that we make choices or decisions about, whether they're good or bad. Hopefully we will learn something from everything that happens to us in our lives. I hope Adam and Eve learned something from their decision to eat the fruit of that sacred tree. So this leaves us with two options. One is to just go through life sort of willy-nilly, not really caring much about whether God is involved at all, and that God is not really a part of our decision-making, and so we don't even consider it. Or we make the best choices that we can, praying that God will be present in the outcome of those decisions, whether they're good ones or not. When I graduated from high school, I went off to college at California State Polytechnic College in San Luis Obispo, California, with a major in mechanized agriculture. Mechanized agriculture. To this day, I have no idea why I chose that major. I had I could barely pass geometry in high school, and here I am taking college-level calculus. Well, needless to say, those first year and a half of struggle in college happened. I was playing baritone sax in the stage band, so that that's probably what kept me there that long. But I found myself flunking out of college, and that I was a B plus A-minus student in high school. After getting advice from my church pastor and other people, I transferred to Chapman College in Orange, California, and I majored in religion and English, which were two fields that I flourished in. I later discovered I was pretty good at the tasks and responsibilities of local church ministry, and so I spent the next 40-plus years doing that. And never looked back. It was a good fit. And I now find myself pulled in some new directions and new decisions that I'll have to make. I have learned from these and other life's experiences all the result of certain choices and decisions that while I don't believe they're part of a divine plan that was set up for me in heaven there was always a divine presence, a divine presence, even in the unwise choices and the poor decisions that I made. So while I don't see God as some sort of cosmic puppeteer who is pulling our strings, I do try to look for a meaning and learning and truths that God has for me in all of these experiences. The divine one has so much more growing for us to do, even in the toughest of times. If we knew what lay ahead for us in the future, wouldn't be the future. What we can know, however, is whatever it may be in store for us in the times ahead, God will be teaching us so we can learn and grow. There will probably be times when we ask, how did I get here? But even then, there will be lessons to learn and meaning to discover. In that, we can celebrate God's presence, however we experience it, just as I did bouncing along in the dark in that bus, and give thanks for those gifts and blessings And say with our hearts, thank you, God, for being here with me. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.